today's uh, scripture reading be uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. The word that Isaiah said, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the later days that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nations, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. My name is Alex. Um, you know, the first memory you know I, of me actually arguing with God is a uh, is when I was in fourth grade. When I was in fourth grade, I was laying in bed, and um, all of a sudden, the thought of death came to me. And I was like, "Oh, hundred years is not that much." And so I was mad at God. I said, hundred years? Are you serious?" And um, starting from that day, I think I was just living for the moment. I was just living just for, um, just to be happy. So during, the, during this time of, um, of growing up, you know, I caused a lot of trouble. I'm actually a three-time convicted felon. My life was all about gangs and whatever you could think about that has to do with gangs. And um. You know, I really lived that life. I created a lot of violence, created a lot, uh, created a lot of hurt. Um, for my community, I was, uh, I was a stain. During that time, the Lord, um, he was really calling out to me, but, um, you know, I, I didn't really um, hear his voice. I didn't want to. Um, when I spent uh, seven years in the state penitentiary, um, I was reading the Bible, but I was picking and choosing the words that I really wanted to receive. And um, in truth, the words was really just going through one year and out the other year. You know, I get out. Um, you know, thought, you know, all that gang life was behind me. But I was still, you know, using drugs and um, doing whatever I can to make money. And uh, during this time, I felt very heavy, and I went out to Korea. And... Um, I don't, I didn't want to get into details, and um, I'm not going to get into details, but uh, during that time, uh, I went to a fortune teller, and I said there's something very um, wrong, and during that moment, uh, this dark event started happening in my life, and um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't really describe to people how I was feeling, but I felt like that God has lifted his hand away from me. With all the heartaches and all the, the jail times, it couldn't even equate to uh, what I was feeling. I felt like I was, uh, I was just a dead man walking. That's the only way I could explain it. So each step that I took, I felt like, oh, I'm just walking. I'm just living this day just 
only to go to uh, the place of no return where the God where God is not there. So it was a very depressing moment in my life, and and during this time I was still using drugs, and I was um, also given this uh, gift, this very dark gift. So every time I would practice these things and do drugs, I would conjure these things into my life, and uh, these presents were very strong and. I couldn't shake it. It didn't matter how much I called out to God. They were they were very haunting. And um I felt so alone. One day, um this uh this woman in my life, um, who's still here today, uh, she was in the room one day and I was in the room and uh, she just had this prophetic moment. She just turned to me and she said, uh, God is mad at you and tomorrow you're gonna go to jail. The very next day, I go to jail. But while I was in jail, um, I thought to myself, okay, you know, what she said is true. You know, I went to jail. But if, I, if I'm here in jail, you know, God is mad at me. And if he's mad at me, then I still have hope because that means he didn't throw me away. And uh, during this time, he, I just prayed to him. I said, Lord, I just, I just want to know you. Um, you know, just Please show me. And I started reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, the word became life. And every word just resonated within my heart. And one day, he just showed to me um, just all my sins, you know, you know, who I am. And the list went on and on. And uh, it wasn't like he was trying to give me a guilt trip, but he was exposing those things in my life, those things that, that was keeping me away from him. But I had to ask him, like, okay, so, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm a really bad person. You know, a wretched man I am. I really am. And he goes, uh, this is how much I love you. And I couldn't understand in the beginning. I'm like, what do you mean this is how much you love me? He goes, that's how much I forgive you. He never condoned my actions, but he allowed certain things to happen just to show the depth of his love. I had no hope, and he gave me hope. And every day I walk, and I'm so grateful because he could have left me there, but he didn't. His love I can never fully understand, but you know, I'm here today because of him, and I thank him. Thank you. thank God for the hope that he gives us, that he does not throw us away. And in many ways, Advent is this season that tells us that God did not forget his people, that he did come for us, that he did come and redeem us. But the story of Alex is really the story of all of us, and the story of God's redeeming grace is available to each of us. Uh, let's take a moment to pray. Would you join me in prayer as we Thank God for just his redeeming power in Alex's life, but also in our lives and in this world. That as we enter into the season of Advent, that in the darkest dark and in the most hopeless moments, that God slices right through and says, I have not given up on you. So God, we gather before you in your 
presence, by your grace, we are here just amazed because you welcome us, you know us by name. You invite us into a fellowship with you. You invite us into your home and as your family, as your sons and daughters, as co-heirs with Christ. And just that thought constantly just humbles us. And so we worship you and we turn to your word now and we want to be fed, we want to be nourished, we want to be reminded and exhorted to live in a way that walks in your ways as your people as we prepare for your second coming. So God, at this moment, uh, still our thoughts that we may receive and understand your word. God, give me your truth that my words will be your words and that through your Holy Spirit, you would communicate to us your beauty that is in your words. These things we pray, God, at this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, nostalgia, is this, is this on? This is on. Nostalgia is really a powerful thing, isn't it? I went to New Jersey uh, two weeks ago, and I just was overwhelmed with the feeling of nostalgia for some reason. Um, nostalgia is when you go back and you see a video or a picture or you go back to a landmark that you grew up in. Or maybe it's a scent. And some of you are very nostalgic people. You, you, it takes you back to the teenage years. And anything that comes from the 80s, 1980s, I just uh, crave. And I notice that the younger generation are, are into 80s now. Uh, strange. Um, nostalgia brought me back when I went to Bergenfield, New Jersey this two weeks ago, and I drove to my Little League field that I played in when I was eight years old. After all these years of coaching and helping Ethan, um, I, I went back to my place, and it just flooded back. I used to ride bikes there, ride my bike home at 10 o'clock at night. My parents never came to one of my games because they were dry cleaners, and they were in a different state, so they could never come and watch one of my games. So I had to ride my bike home sometimes in the rain, and I remember all of that. And it was not a bad memory. It was just a nostalgic memory of, wow, those were simpler times. And so some of us, we have this uh, sense of nostalgia during Christmas time. Uh, anybody get nostalgic so far this year yet? Yeah? Maybe putting up the Christmas tree, maybe just uh, the Thanksgiving meal reminds you of grandma or, or cousin Larry or something like that. Um, and so... C.S. Lewis says that whenever we have these nostalgic moments, this, this longing for a time that has long gone, he, he talks about this in The Weight of Glory in his book. And let me read you an excerpt. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never visited. Nostalgia is just a faint fragrance of something that's not real. It's, it just reminds us of that. And he says this because I, he's saying that all of us have a longing. And it may be nostalgic, but there's a longing in us Defined as yearning, an aching. We crave something. And that thing that we crave is actually God himself. That nostalgia reminds us, it's like a phenomenon that happens to us now, that whenever you and I have a longing for something, it's 
truly, deeply the longing for God. And so Advent season is actually this, that we are not home, that we are not yet home. This is not our home. Advent is that God is going to come back. Jesus is coming back, and that home will be fully realized. And that's good news because for every one good news in the, in the TV, we hear about 100 bad news, whether it's shootings, whether it's crime, whether it's economy, whether it's disease or COVID. It's just so overwhelming that some of us are depressed really, from watching this news. So we long for something. And C.S. Lewis is saying that longing is like the fragrance and hint, the desire that we really have for God. And so we have this hope, and Jesus is saying, I will return, and this is his own words, but about the day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven or the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, jumping to verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And in Advent, we ask this question, are you ready? How are you preparing for the Lord's coming? Do you look forward to his coming? And I think a true tell of, a, of, of those who love God is this. We want Jesus to come. It's not a scary thing. We want Jesus to fulfill his new heaven and new earth. We want that time to come. And at the same time, we ache because we realize there are many loved ones who don't know Jesus yet. And so this is, this is that tension in the season of Advent that we celebrate Jesus came and Jesus is coming again. How are we preparing? Therefore, that QT, that devotional book, that green booklet, I hope you do it. We're doing it with La Habra Hills Church. They're doing it too. And the first day starts today. But when we spend time with God, we are preparing our hearts and our souls and our minds for this coming. So in this season of Advent, we remember to connect with God. And when it's a struggle to connect with God, we turn to God in his word. We turn to this stillness. And coming in church, this is a good first sign too. C.S. Lewis continues, and I love this quote. And so he says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Can we say amen to that? So whenever we feel like this longing for this is not right, there's something more to it. C.S. Lewis, and he's a very intelligent, rational, uh, he was a skeptic. And then he became a Christian. He was a, he was a hater <laughs> because his wife died. And his journey to faith was just phenomenal. And he wrote, uh, many books, Mere Christianity, and I think this quote captures this time that you and I may be feeling. If we feel this world is not the way it is and we're not satisfied in it, the only probable explanation is that you and I were made for another world. This is the world that is closely knit with God. And so this is achingly true. This is Advent. We look forward to it. And we, so we light this candle preparing for the Lord's coming. So in Isaiah 2 that Alex read today, we have a glimpse, a vision. It actually starts with this word. It shall, the word of that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw God's word. It was a visual, and it was a vision, just like John had about in Revelation. And this is a vision you could tell that is definitely not uh, culminated yet. And the glimpse of the vision here is the picture of what home will look like. The, the, the glimpse, a preview of home. So when you go to Costco, what do they usually have? What's, what's Costco most known for? 
the, the samples, the treats, right? They hook you. You get that little free sample, and then you end up buying it. When you go to a movie, what's the first 10 minutes of the movie when you sit in a movie theater? 10, 15 minutes of previews. <laughs> so they said the movie starts at 11, but it really starts at 11.20 because they're filling your mind with commercials and 10, 10, 15 minutes of previews of what's to come. And so I think these previews are effective, and God is giving Isaiah a vision of the home that we are meant to live in. And so this vision is not just for the Jews— this was written 700 B.C., but this is for all people because it refers to all the nations. So I want to share three glimpses with us that we long for. And this is something that we want to say, hallelujah, God, let it be so. That's what we want to see. Here's the first one, verse 2. Uh, let's read it together. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest of the mountains... And shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Now there's two parts to this vision, and most of these prophecies have two parts. One is for Israel. This is a future prophecy for you. And then the second part is the future prophecy that God has for the whole world. And the first part is there will be a Messiah that comes, and Israel, you will be established again. Remember, this is a time where Israel disobeyed God. They worshipped other idols, and God said, repent and turn back to me, or else I will judge you. And Israel refused. And so they were going into a time of punishment. But what is God promising here? In the latter days, the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest. Israel, you will rise again. But that came true when Jesus Christ came. The kingdom of God was established through Christ the King. But it also means for you and me today that there is a global time when one day all the nations of the world will flow under the one nation of God. So this is part of the reason why um, nationalism is kind of, kind of foolish. Like we are the greatest nation in all the world. If you're a Christian, we don't believe that. We say we are a great nation. This is an awesome country. We're blessed by this country. But the greatest kingdom is... The kingdom of God. We happen to be citizens of a different world that happen to live here. And so this is the vision that we see. That all the nations flow to the top. In that coming day, there is true peace. I mean, it's only been less than a year. But Russia just invaded Ukraine without any cause. And we cried and we prayed about it. And we live in a world where in our generation, my homeland was invaded like twice. <laughs> During the 20th century. And we go back and we see land grab. We see Palestine still fighting. We are a people who have not known peace. In fact, uh, in New Jersey, I met a psychologist. And she did a dissertation on why, why are Koreans so uh, prone to fighting. And her theory was that because we are people victimized by war, the subconscious survival and fighting is built into us subconsciously. And this is crazy. And we pass it on unknowingly to our children through just behavior. And they don't know it's from the war trauma, but that trauma continues to the next generation. And so in, in cultures, we perpetuate war, even in a time of peace, through our families. And then it gets rekindled again because 
we live in a warp world with war. And what God is saying is, here's a vision of the home. All the nations flow like rivers to God. And there would be peace under God's reign. That's beautiful. That's the home that we look forward to with hope. Lord, we long for a day when we do not have to vote and fight the red and the blues, the communists, and, and all these countries, that there will be a one flow under you. So this is home. Second, verse 3. Let's read it together. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord for Jerusalem. Zion is this, the, the final culmination of God's kingdom, and it's including all the nations. And the part that I initially, you know, I'm, don't, you don't have to think too deeply. Just looking at this, you're going, who lives like that these days? Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us worship God, that he may teach us his ways and we may live according to his word. You know, I would love to be a church that that really is our culture and value. We are a church that says, let us go. To, we, we cannot miss gathering together in worship. We cannot wait to turn to God's word and live in a way that he pleases. I would love to say that, but realistically, that's kind of hard for us. We're, we're kind of caught up in our own world. We want the next job. We're, we're fighting about neighbors. We're fighting about our houses. We're wondering about our next vacation. We're thinking about everything but except for the, the house of the Lord, God's word and God's ways. And in that day, in the future home, the people are excited and they're looking forward to turning to God that he may teach them his ways and that they may live desiring to walk in his paths. There's a mutual exchange. God teaches his ways and the people follow. Now, we try that and the glimpse of the kingdom of God is the church. We are trying to do that. We're trying to live in a way that the world could see, wow, that church on the hill, those guys are the most generous, loving, godly, praying people. What's up with them? Like, that's our dream. That's our goal, to, to wit, be a witness in this world, to a skeptical world that God is true. But in the day that is to come, in this land, the home that is ahead, we will worship God. Um, one of the things I like to say is, if we don't love God, and if God is not your joy and treasure, Jesus Christ is not who you long for, you're not going to really like heaven. <laughs> heaven... The, as, as soon as we walk in, there's a, there's a lot of paintings. There's two paintings that really touch my heart. And one of them is called First Day of Heaven. And there's two people crying in joy and hugging each other. And another painting is one of them going to Jesus and just hugging Jesus and being hugged by Jesus. Heaven is this reunion with Christ and to sit at the feet of God. And it's not a boring place and I can't explain it. Um, I don't think it's worship 24-7 like the way we understand worship. It is this returning to the garden where Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the morning. That we get to do that with God. That's heaven. And we get to do it with one another who are in Christ. So heaven is not a place where we just simply go eternally to rest in peace. But it's returning to be satisfied with God and in God. And that is home. You know, when we have nothing else, there's a song that during the offering we play. You know, you could take everything in this world, but give me Jesus. I think Bill Woodson sang that a couple of times in our church. 
You can have all that is in this world, but give me Jesus. Why? He's my heaven. He is my hope. And so we'll go on. Verse 4. Let's read it together. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any war. Like war becomes confusing. Like war? Why would we need war? Fighting? Why is there fighting? And there's an imagery there. They're beating their swords into plowshares. What do you picture? They're converting weapons for war into what? Tools for agriculture. They're taking spears that are meant for killing, taking the lives and destroying the enemy into what? Into something that will cultivate a garden. And so literally the, this popular phrase of, of, of beating their plowshares, beating their swords into plowshares and, and turning their spears to pruning hook, it's in Micah 4, it's in Joel 3. But it's also, because it's God's truth, it's also in Confucianism. Confucianism also has this kind of language where the sword and the weapons will be converted into something that's agricultural. But it's also in the great philosopher Michael Jackson, the king of pops. In his song, um, in his song Heal the World, this is the line, Create a world with no fear. Together we'll cry happy tears. See the nations turn their swords into plowshares. Now, where Michael Jackson was off is, he's like, we can do this. Where people, theologians will say is, we can't do this. Only God can do this. And one day God will do this. And the day of fighting and wars will stop. And so just thinking about that is, what does that mean? What does home look like? Imagine a community where we are known for life-giving, for nurturing, for lifting one another up, for feeding one another, giving to one another, rather than a community where we're taking, killing, and intimidating. Um, I think recently, I don't know if it's just the media but, or it's just the craziness of the world, but it seems like crime has skyrocketed in L.A. It seems like elder abuse has jumped up. Um, there was a, during a span of Asian hate because of COVID, and so we look at this, and how do you fix that? And so we could say we need policies, we need to vote. What the Bible has said since 2,700 years ago is this. Here's a vision of the home that you and I were meant for. And one day, God will provide it for us. Weapons will be no more. It's foolishness. God's providing. God wants us to be life-giving people, not life-taking people. In the UN right now... Um, I saw this, that there's a statue of somebody beating a sword in a plowshare. It was, you know what country gave it to us? Russia. Ironically, of all places. And so that statue of a man beating a sword into a plowshare is there sitting in front of the UN in New York City. This is the home we long for. And I like to be optimistic and say we can do this as humans. But God knows us. God knows humans well. And he's saying... This is the longing in our hearts for the home. This is the home we long for. And so when are these last days? The last days is already here, according to the Bible. It's not ahead of us. The last days are already here. Why? Because Jesus Christ came. And after Jesus came until his return, these are the last days. So the last days are not the apocalypse, but they're here and now. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus Christ has come. And this is why there was rejoicing. The kingdom of God is upon you. Rejoice. And so the hope is this. It's not that hope and this home is a place we go to. Our hope is in the very person of Jesus Christ. He is the destination. So heaven is not a place we go. And home is not the place, a geographical place. But home is where Jesus is. He becomes our hope. I wanted to uh, bring it home and I was like, this week, somehow this, this popped up on my feed. And I saw this uh, video of worshipers and the way they sang, the way they sang, you could tell they're longing for hope in Christ. And the words they sang were just so beautiful and powerful. And I hope the computer doesn't lag. But I want to show you a clip. And the words are this, verse 4, With every breath I long to follow Jesus. This is that longing for home. For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. And here's the refrain. To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus, this Advent hope. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Please don't lag. Let me play this video. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. With a smile, I love the way she sang it. 
when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. This is our hope. This is what we long for. And let the storms come, let the troubles be, but we know this is a waiting period for the coming king. And when he comes, that hope will be fulfilled. And so we press on. Verse 5 ends with this. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Friends, maybe that could be our CPCLM. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord as we wait for his leading and coming. So let the dried faith people rise up and be refreshed. Let those who are tired and in bondage step up and be emboldened and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Let the slumbering Christian get up and live your life the way that you know Christ wants you to live. And let us prepare for his return with proclamation of the good news. Because Jesus Christ is his hope and the world cannot take him away. Amen. Let's pray. God, I think that song was a glimpse of heaven as well. That we would just delight in you. Yet not I, not through our efforts, but through you at work in us. All of this is grace, God. We did not manufacture faith. You have given it to us. We did not manufacture joy and choose you, but you chose us and gave us joy. And so who else shall we turn to, God? To whom shall we go, Lord, in this time of enduring suffering and needing for perseverance? You are our hope. And so, God, in this season of Advent, as we enter into it first week, we long to meet with you daily in the quiet moments, whether it be through the devotional or just a moment of meditation and stillness. May you be loud in our hearts. May you be clear in our thoughts that we may walk with a smile not determined by the world around us, but because we have this anticipating hope of the home that is to come with you. Thank you, Jesus. You are indeed our hope. We put our faith fully in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.